Hello and welcome to The Driving Mall. Yep, sorry, no, I'm just being silly because, hey, um, I need a logo being made up. So um, I think that's what it's going to be, you know, like a hat on a rugby ball. Um, so if anyone's um, good at graphic design and stuff and drawing and doing logos, then um, let me know. And uh, obviously, if you could do me a logo with my, yeah, my hat on a rugby ball, that would be very cool. So welcome to the uh, Hash Rugby Chat. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, your best place for predictions and opinion. Um, and yes, there is a whole bunch of weird and different varied stuff going on this evening. Um, but our title is, yeah, can the Rebels afford to go into to, to make the finals? So, yeah, some, um, we'll have some money talk because that's always good. We've had some wonderful rugby over the weekend with some uh, amazing comebacks. So there'll be a couple of bit of talk about that. Um, Mickey Mouse moment of the week. So if you've got a Mickey Mouse moment of the week, let us know. Um, as to, yeah, so something like, you know, a player kicking the ball into the back of someone's head, that kind of stuff, um, other mistakes and silly things like that. So let us know um, that. Uh, and um, what else have we got going on? Yeah, basically, that's that's kind of most of it. But before we get into any of that, let's um, meet the uh, the panel, um, as it were. Um, how are you doing, Ashwin? Um, yeah, you know, swings and roundabouts as I make my slow recovery. But um, today's not too bad. Today's good. And associate referee what's the heck? What, hang on how can you be uh be, be a referee i mean you're, you're you're one of the first to go referees are crap they're useless oh yeah so you know it's just like if you if you can't beat them you join them are you something sh- like that you, you know show them how it's done are you no, show them how it's done yeah yeah I, I did my course and 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 now i can go around uh, refereeing under eight rugby so um yeah <laughs> the only problem is that home to home t- it's a, it's a bit interesting actually so the rules are in Auckland rugby. I don't know if it's the same everywhere else. Is that home home coach refs? The home coach refs. Oh yeah. So, so <laughs> um, what's the uh, what, what's the best heckle, heckle you've had from the sidelines so far from parents? I oh, I don't get. Why would I get a heckle? Ooh. Oh hey. <laughs> and also joining us, uh, we have Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, privilege and a pleasure again to be on the uh, TD. I was just wondering, who is that guy? I've never seen that guy with a head off, head off before. So I was just trying <laughs> to figure out who he is. Just a miss. And he's he's, he's a he, as well. Organized. He's oh, a bit wow. disorganized. So he's got no head. And he's had a haircut. Yeah, he scrubs, <laughs> he scrubs up pretty well, i got to say. Oh, <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> so it's all tidy on top, but it's all a bit of a mess around here, isn't it? On the whole, the whole yeah. facial stuff. I mean, come on. Yeah, more, 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 more hair on the chin than he has on his head. Yep, exactly. He's got his whole head upside down. He's got his whole head upside down. Okay, stop the pigeon. Stop oh, the pigeon. Stop the pigeon now. Is, is it raining with you, Stephen? Because you've got a, you, you have a rain jacket on there. Um, no, I just happened to come in from outside and had, had to have a jacket on. And yeah, <laughs> no, it is. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, tell me about um, I'm all. Uh, I've got the fingerless gloves on, so I can type and um, and still and, and and keep my and try and keep my hands warm. So, um, did either of you catch the uh, Gallagher Premiership final this weekend? I got 60, 60 minutes of it. The um, so go on, then you, you you gave us a uh, a comment about the refereeing. So I only have a. Give us a... Yeah, or do you want to talk about the game first and then we'll go on the refereeing? Or do you want to go? Do you want me to go with refereeing? That's kind of what I asked you to do. Okay, sorry, I'll do that then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I mean, with the refereeing, I thought it was really obvious. Um, 
the, the, it's just different. It's just totally different, the standard of refereeing. And there seems to me to be a better level of respect from the players for the referee because the little niggly infringements where the referees down in the southern hemisphere are going, hands out, hands out, it's a ruck now. Well, that didn't seem to be going on. It seemed to be a lot more cleaner around the rucks. I don't, I, maybe, I don't know, I was just looking at it with rose-tinted glasses on or something, but there definitely seemed um, more um, uh, stringent uh, officiating of the game. The players knew it was going to be more stringently officiated, and therefore they behave accordingly. And one of those is that um, I think um, early on in the game, first five minutes, in fact, I think it was Exeter, two infringements um, on their own line, and there's a guy off to the bin, two. Two infringements. Uh, no, it was Saracens, because it was Mario Toji Sarac- that went off the bin. Oh, sorry, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Yep, yep. yep. Bingo. But two, infringent, two infringements, and he's off to the bin. You know, we, Southern Hemisphere... You'd be lucky after five if the guy went off to the bin, particularly that early in the game. You know, with five minutes left in the game, they seem to be happy to send a player off, but, you know, they wouldn't do it in the first 10, 15 minutes, would they? So, no, I think, and, and um, somebody else made this comment, it's not my original thought, is that that's one thing that could, yeah, I, you know, I normally have original thoughts, I normally do, but um, somebody made the comment is that this could bite the All Blacks in the bum when they come to um, World Cup time. When they actually, oh, oh my God, the ref actually penalised me after two minutes of the game. Well, why? That doesn't happen. You're not allowed to penalise me in two minutes of the game. So, you know, and and also, you know, not being told, oh, could you please take your hands out of the ruck now because it's a ruck? So I'd really like you to take the hands out of the ruck now. Could you do that for me, please? You know, none of that going on. It's basically, no, hands in the ruck penalty. I've got to say, guys, I, I, did, I didn't see the game in its entirety, but I did see the... The highlights and the official was actually Wayne Barnes, and um, yep. one thing one thing Wayne did he was very very clear to the players um, even when they were they were trying uh, little subtle stuff like holding players in he pretty much made it clear listen I know exactly what you guys are doing um, yeah I mean to so say there were two cards handed out in the first twenty minutes actually Henry Slade was actually carded carded first for uh, for Exeter Chiefs and then Atoji got his yellow card around about the uh, the 20th minute and uh, if we, we look at it after that there were no more yellow cards out after that but admittedly I thought at 27-16 I thought Exeter would would actually finish over the top with Saracens I've got to give uh, Sonatane Takalua who's the uh, time and a half back who I was having a chat to at the Northland rugby trial on the weekend Sonatane or Tane Takalua as we know him has been playing for uh, Newcastle Falcons and I asked him for a bit of a prediction and he did say he felt that Saracens would would basically uh, win the game and <clears throat> a lot of the heavy hitters would come to the come to the party a lot of English internationals and, 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 and current guys as well and that's exactly what they did in that second half yeah it is and I I, I predicted um, extras win now maybe that's a bit more heart overhead as they're my team over there but I thought that Saracens really had targeted the European Champions um, Cup this year uh, and had and when Alex Good when he went on his like two or three day bender um, where he didn't get changed out of his rugby kit afterwards, I was wondering could they really lift themselves again for another final? Um, and after uh, sort of um, forty what was it yeah fifty eight minutes when Henry Slade went over to make it twenty seven sixteen, I thought Exeter have got this one in the bag. They're two scores mm. ahead now. Uh, they were looking on top at that point. 
but boy, um, Saracens came back, uh, as you say, in that second half and, um, and I, really put it away. I wonder if an interested spectator to that game would have been the uh, would have been uh, Michael Checker because you've got to be impressed with the form of, of Will Skelton. He looks like he looks a bit leaner than what I've seen of him before. I don't know whether that might, might be just the, the the black jersey, but he. Um, Man, he'd be a reasonable acquisition to an Australian team. Yes, no? Um, he has lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he is much, mm. much leaner than he used to be. Uh, you also used to see him, t- to my mind, he was one of these guys who, who was told to be aggressive and told to be physical and would overdo it and would get himself yellow carded every game. Um, now, look, I mean, just, just watching Will Skelton from um, the Leinster Saracens and then obviously the Exeter Saracens game, he's a lot more athletic. He's... Um, He's doing smart yeah. things. He's, he's doing clever things. He's not just, you know, as Paul was alluding to just a moment, he, being a, a, a big buffer and, and going around and being, you know, doing silly stuff, physically physically silly stuff. He's playing rugby. He's concentrating on doing his role. And that was really obvious. And, and he's really effective because he's such a and, – and because he's such a big guy, he's very effective in that role when he does it right. And uh, I think you're right. Chick has basically got to do the old guitar claws on him and – Drag him into the Wallabies, surely. Ashwin, I've, I've got a question for you. I just sort of looking at the, the Saracens bench. You know, they had the likes of uh, Wigglesworth and and and, and Streddle and you know guys who've all played for England. Did the bench make a different difference? You think? Look, um, it, it's hard for me to say to tell you the truth, Steve, because at sixty minutes, I did I did pack it in about sixty minutes, and that's no reflection on the game. The game was a good game. It's just that I'd been up until that sixtieth minute of the game. Um, I, I felt at the time I was going to, even though it, when I went to sleep, Exeter was in the lead, but it did feel that Saracens were building. So um, uh, without seeing all the bench players coming on, they, they did seem to be building momentum going into the last quarter of the game. Yeah, I think they made a couple of a couple of changes. Um, maybe a change to the middle row. Atoji actually started in the number number six jersey, so that gave them a pretty sizable sort of pack with with George Cruz and, and Skelton in the in, in the middle row. So, look, listen, credit to them. They've they've done the they've done the double. They'd be on a heck of a high at the moment, and uh, this is great to see uh, former New Zealander Sean Maitland uh, in there as well. I think he might have picked up a a meat pie as well. He yeah, did. he did. I mean, so the um... I mean, the Saracens were already coming back. I mean, they they got back to being um, 30-27 ahead uh, on the 70th minute. But then Jack Nell went off uh, on on 31 minutes, and that meant that we had you because they'd already used their second. Um, actually, no, they didn't. The, I mean, Sam Hill came on, but um, for that at that point, we saw um, oh, I've gone blank as the the fly half that came on to replace him, uh, and it suddenly ended up playing with two fly halves who are both. Pretty specialist fly halves in that back line, uh, and yeah, it got a bit disjointed after that point. I think extra, yeah, that, um, yeah, yeah, that would be uh, Stenson. out of position at that point. That, that would be Stenson. Stenson would have Stinson, come into first five, and just uh, the other guy. I think it was uh, so Simpson oh, was, God, the was already on there. Who went on? Or Simmons? Sorry, who went on? Who then went, went moved to fullback. But but um, but so yeah, Simmons isn't uh, yeah uh, is 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 more of a pure, more of a pure fly half uh, and. It just felt, to me, it felt at that point that they got, that, that they had players out of position. Now, to be fair to Saracens, soon afterwards, they had to bring on their hooker in to replace one of their back row forwards. So they had a hooker playing at seven as well. So um, so they, uh, they they also ended up with players out of position. 
Uh, but I think it really hurt extra. I don't think they could adjust to it. Do you think that's a, there's a bit of poor planning on the um, on the Exeter Chiefs uh, management team then? Because the fact is that okay, you've got you've got that player who's basically a second, a first five on the bench. Um, you know, you, you he's not going to be too familiar playing at fullback, or he's not. That's not as he's not someone that slots in. Then one of your usually these days one of your wingers is a um, is a pseudo fullback. He pushes to the back, and you play the first the replacement first five effectively on the wing. Yeah, Stenson, Stenson is actually quite a good goal-kicking first five, and they probably had him on the bench hoping that he might be able to close the game out. Stenson's topping the – I think he was topping the, uh, the, the the scoring charts, and he's the most accurate goal-kicker uh, mm. in the Premiership. I think he had the highest percentage over people who have scored more than, like, 10 or 20 points, something silly. Um, so he's a um, – he's, he's very good at what he does. Uh, so they, they have two specialist fly halves as, as first and second choice. They went for a uh, Sam Hill, who's a midfielder in the uh, as, a, as in the 23 jersey, which meant that they were yeah they they took the they, they wanted to play their back three for the full game and have a replacement in the centres instead, um, and it didn't work out. Um, yeah, if you've got players who are who who are. Who, who are one positional, it does, yeah, you, you can get caught out uh, at some points, unfortunately. I think they'd also already used their, the, I think Sam Hill had already come on as well, but Oli Devoto, by then anyway, because both um, Devoto and um, uh, Henry Slade can move to fullback if they needed to, but with, because Sam Hill had already come on, that, that option had, that, that option had gone as well. So it was, yeah, it's just, um, one of those things that happened. Uh, that's the fourth final in, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, fourth final in four years for Exeter Chiefs. They won, they beat some uh, Wasps two years ago, and they've lost to Saracens in the other three. So, yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a tough run for them. Um, have you seen that rugby goggles um, now are are legal um, after having been trialled in Italy? Um, and World Rugby has now accepted the, 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 the trial, and um, goggles are, are now are now allowed. Oh, where, where, else in the, where else in the world would they try to uh, turn rugby, make rugby goggles in Italy? Well, actually, there, there is. <laughs> I understand you. I understand, yeah, there, there is. There is actually a, um, a, a, a poignant story behind this. So, um, uh, there was a player who is Irish. Um, who got eye gouged at the bottom of a ruck um, and lost sight in one of his eyes um, and then moved to Italy working. Uh, somebody offered him this idea of goggles and he went, OK, yep, I'll wear, I'll, I'm happy to play again with goggles, uh, but, um, uh, but I'm not happy to try and play with just one eye. If I lose, my, if I lose sight in that eye as well, then obviously I'm blind, so I'm not going to do that. So um, he's been the pioneer behind this. He came back at club rugby Played well enough, got into the. Uh, I can't remember. If, I think it's. Um, I think it's Benetton, but it could be Zebra if, if I could be wrong. Um, as their fly half. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been wearing these goggles now for I think two years. Uh, now, because um, the IRFU hadn't sanctioned this trial, he couldn't actually play some of the away games um, for Treviso, uh, which was a bit of a shame. But now that they've gone past through. Um, uh, it, it's good that it's, it's a great story that he can now play. I think he even got selected uh, for the Italian national team um, as well. So, uh, 
so yeah, so I think it's yeah, fantastic story and um, yeah, interesting that the uh, that that's now that they are now 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 legal. I'll be honest, I don't expect to see many players wearing them. Um, but where but where someone's had eye gouging and that, you, you can understand why they would go for it. Hey Steve, I bet you uh, Greg Cooper wishes they were around in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, 1992, back then, is the New Zealand um, in, uh, NPC. Uh, what, what is that? They might attend NPC. Um, and so the final was between Waikato and uh, Otago, and it was being played up at um, at Rugby Park in Hamilton, the old Rugby Park. And, uh, yeah, our friend Mr. R. Lowe basically dug his fingers into Greg Cooper's eyes. Yeah, that was that was a good that was a good year for Lowy because not only did he uh, eye gouge Greg Cooper, I think he broke Paul Carrozza's nose as well. Yep. Paul Carrozza scores scores the try, and uh, Lowy decides he'd do the old elbow drop. <laughs> Breaks his full W full WWF because yeah, it was WWF, WWF back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, full yeah. Listen, How he got away with it? Who knows? Yeah, no. Now he's actually be banned for well at least oh. a year, if not two. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. L- listen, it's 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 a it's a it's a great thing. You'd be mortified if you had a son playing, who basically got eye gouged or just it's just violence, you know. But unfortunately, that was the, in that time they got they got away. He got, he, he got a ban. He got a ban for the eye gouge. I'm pretty sure he got a ban for the eye gouge. Um, I'll, I'll Google it while we're on, and uh, but uh, I don't think he got anything. Uh, not even a penalty or nothing out of the uh, Carrozza incident. <laughs> oh, dear. It was a different game back then. And people say, yeah, yeah. see, rugby's going soft. Um, <laughs> uh, so, what's your... Um, so, this weekend, the uh, the the is, is the last... Well, no, it won't be the last uh, home game. But it's the last regular season home game for the Crusaders, hosting the Rebels. And... Um, they made it half price tickets down in Christchurch. Do you, what kind of turnout are you expecting? I don't know. Um, make a huge difference. It'll obviously depend on the uh, probably on the weather weather forecast. But I, yeah, if it is their last round robin game there, they should get a good turnout. So they got a decent turnout, they say, for the Blues no. game. But I think that was um, the I mean, especially after the Blues had pushed the Crusaders so close. Up in Auckland, um, I think that might have that that that, that would have generated um, some crowd. But as the way that the the the, um, the rebels have been going, it's one win in the last seven games now. Uh, they really have fallen off a cliff. I just can't see. Yeah, I, I can't see many people being that interested in the game, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I believe that the weather's supposed to be really uh, well, not necessarily really bad, but it's going to be really cold. And um, we know how nobody seems to turn up to Lancaster. I mean, sorry, um, to AMI. What's it called now? Actually, the rugby stadium down there Ed- anymore the when it's cold. So, um, yeah, apparently it wasn't so cold when it used to be Lancaster Park, but now it's cold at the new rugby stadium, so they don't turn up. <laughs> so not only yeah. do you get your ticket half price, but it's also 40% off um, food um, at, the, uh, at the stadium. Uh, and also you get a 31-day access to, to Fan Pass. On um, on Sky Sport for free, you know, they're, 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 uh, it's a bit like wow. when you turn up to the Oscars and you get a little goodie bag. They're um... <laughs> <laughs> hang on, and you get one, and you get one, and you get one. 
Well, it's, it's interesting though, isn't it? You're trying to get people along to a stadium to watch a game and you're giving them away um, the Sky Pass Go or whatever it is. <laughs> well, yes, there is Seems that. Oxymoron, if that's the right term. Sorry? I was going to say, guys, that I was going to say that weather forecast is 12 degrees. That's just the bar, that's the temperature just for the day. So I would imagine it'll probably be down around about two degrees by the time they hit hit the evening. Listen, it's um, it's their, it's their last round robin game, so I think it's probably important that the, the punters punters get there. I think they're just basically doing them so they get them really engaged, so that you know they don't fall by the wayside. By the time they need the, to uh, quarterfinals quarter, quarter uh, roll around, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's such a there's a gap between the um this game. They've got to buy in the last round, and they'll probably won't have a game in the um first playoff round, right? Because no, no, they'll no, have no. the uh, eight, eight teams. Everyone's in the everyone. Everyone. Oh, everyone. My bad. My bad. Um, but even even last year, I mean, when we saw the quarterfinals, there were whole stands empty. Um, in, yep. in the quarterfinal last year, so. Uh, I, I think there's, there's there's an expectation that they will make the final. I mean, they'll definitely make the semi-final, um, uh, and wh- wh- where they'll probably face the Hurricanes. Uh, but yeah, I think people will start going at the semi-final stage. Um, what what they should do is things like you get priority access to buy because as be honest, the only games in New Zealand that sell out quickly are Super Rugby finals. Um, we saw massive queues in Wellington. For when um, uh, for, for for the recent ones down there, um, so uh, if they did something like you get priority access to buy finals tickets if you go to the semi quarterfinal and the semi final, then then you might be able to yeah sort of increase um, uh, increase in, in, increase people going along a bit like there was more people buying uh, Auckland memberships the year of the, the Lions year to make sure they got tickets. Yep, and and World Cup year. And we'll cup here, that's true. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. although it wasn't directly handled by um, Auckland Rugby in terms of the uh, allocation of World Cup tickets, um, you got um, preferential, yeah, you got extra points for want of a term for having a season ticket or being part of the rugby community. So, um, Austin getting a lot of love in the chat tonight. I know, I know. <laughs> I think the music. Get a poll in there. Now, um, there's, there's a report in the Fox Sport that um, basically um, the Rebels have been losing so much money um, and that when you when you host a, uh, a quarterfinal, you actually get you guarantee a certain amount of cash to the traveling side. Um, and because of the low, low crowds in uh, in Melbourne, they actually reckon that they would make a loss um, if they if, if the Rebels had to host a quarterfinal. Uh, and that they don't actually have the cash to um, to cover it. Uh, so actually, p- perhaps this whole the whole reason that the the, um, the rebels are tanking all of a sudden is that actually they don't, they, don't, they can't afford to host a, a quarter final. The administrators have had a chat with the players. Say, guys, quick, we can't afford to pay you if you keep winning. You've got to lose some games. It's a bit cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, are you, are, you, are you the Pakistani bookkeeper, dude? <laughs> As I told you on Saturday night, okay, fifth ball or the second over will be a no ball. Yeah. <laughs> Friday night, Friday night. Friday night, <laughs> um, Look, look, the thing is that you, you, that's probably correct. 
Um, but the reality is, is that the bankrupt Australian Rugby Union would have to step in and bail them out. Because at the end of the day, they created that situation by um, getting rid of the Western Force, who was totally solvent because of Andrew Forrester, um, who and was bankrolling people them. turning up to watch games. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And they had people turning out to watch games. Um, and then they did, like, oh, but we've got to have rugby in the in the sports capital of Australia. And so they made a bid for themselves and they'd have to bail them out. Even though they don't have any money. They might have to go ask Qantas for it. The, boy, boy, guys, doesn't, doesn't that just show you the folly of that decision of kicking the Western force out who are obviously self, self-sufficient um, and you've got somebody like the Rebels who can't host a, host a, host a final. It, it's nuts. Yeah, no, I've, I've yeah, got to agree with you. I think this, this again, I, clearly I was joking and being silly when I suggested that the, the players have been told to lose. Um, that's that's clearly not the case. The but um, the the fact that they are low on cash doesn't actually doesn't surprise me that much. Um, last year, for example, Waikato uh, had budgeted um, uh, for two screens for the regular season and hadn't budgeted for that second screen for the finals, um, which meant but come finals time they couldn't afford the second big screen at FMG Stadium. Um, so um, so yes, the. It doesn't surprise me that they're running their budgets that close and they probably didn't think they were going to top the Australia Conference and get a home quarterfinal. So they probably didn't budget for it. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they can't, that, that they are running uh, that tight financially. But it, as you say, just another reason as to why they should not have, why they should have cut the Melbourne Rebels uh, instead of the force um, two years ago. Uh, it was a bad, it was, it was the wrong decision. They won't. They won't. Well, it's okay though. They won't. Get, they won't. They won't top the table anyway. Um, the way the results have gone now, no, they won't. The Brumbies have got that under under control. Um, and you'd expect the Brumbies to, because yeah, the Rebels are, are travelling to, uh, as you say, to Christchurch um, yeah. for this game where they're giving away tickets. So, or well, half price tickets. So yes, they're not going to be be doing that. Um, I can say, guys, quite quite interesting. I'm just reading uh, some of the social network and uh, listen, they're copying it from a lot of rugby supporters in Australia. Real, real, real common theme that the, the Austra- Australian Rugby Union stuffed up didn't didn't make the right decision. So, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not happy campers over there. No. Not sorry, sorry, I missed that. Which was, which was that for the Rebels um, Perth uh, Force? Was that Steve? Oh, well, yeah, Paul just, just everything. That, uh, that article was pretty much on the uh, on the uh, Fox network, so I just want, want to oh, see right, yep, yep. the record yep. number of comment, comments, but yeah, most of the comments are in and around the uh, the Australian Rugby Union just getting it wrong and not really having a go at the, the Rebels. They, they're just questioning why they left a Rugby Union team there in Melbourne when it's clearly not a rugby area because they're not getting the people people along there. Um, it's still, you know, they've got a rugby wheel now, they've got a rugby league team there, and uh, AFL's big, and along with uh, football as well. Yeah, look, and, and the other thing is, is interesting, because, um, you know, when you look at the other overwall code, well, there's a few overwall codes here, but rugby league in Melbourne, and um, the number of years that they've been there, the success that they've had there, they still, they don't sell out that stadium either. Even with all the success that they've had. So, um, it's a tough nut to crack down there. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you drive around Melbourne, you can spot that the 
the preschools have got AFL posts up. I mean, yeah. the, they, they are indoctrinated or, or, or they're introduced to the game in a very nice way from a very young age. Um, yeah. in, in, in their... it's, you're right. It's, it's interesting you say it. the preschools. The preschools have got AFL posts up. <laughs> so, um, so perhaps that's the answer. New Zealand rugby, you need to go around putting rugby posts up in preschools and crowd numbers will be fixed. So, yeah. There we go. I've, 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 uh, I've solved the problem for, for New Zealand rugby um, crowds. Um, it might take a few years for that to come through. What would you call that fan engagement? Well, yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, are you suggesting some sort of fan engagement? <laughs> we need to have a um, yeah. We need to have a yeah. A, 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 um, instead of milk for schools, rugby rugby posts for for for, for, for kindergartens. <laughs> Come on, Fonterra. Fonterra, Fonterra rugby place for school. <laughs> <laughs> and you can have the milk white too. <laughs> well, you do what you do what um, they do down at um, the uh, Australian capital, you know, in Brumby's territory, where they put the the um, the rugby post pads are um, milk cartons. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yep, you can do that. <laughs> um, whereas over here in uh, <laughs> over here in in, in in Waikato country, it's Waikato draft. Beer, beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A beer bottle. A beer bottle around the bottom of the post. <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm, actually I'm, I'm meeting up with some of the guys from Waikato Rugby uh, next week and the week after. So perhaps I should, uh, yeah, perhaps I should suggest that, that they need to change the shape of the bottle, of, of the pad, pad protectors to look like a bottle um, instead of just being, cool, uh, just being green. <laughs> see how well that goes. See, 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 yeah, increase the... Nah. Extra marketing. Um, now then, uh, this this came up last week last week, but we missed this show. So I was going to, wanted to talk about this week. Um, is that uh, there's been some goings on in Clubland in Auckland, hasn't there? And some strange um, situations where the best teams aren't making the top eight. So the way that um, club rugby works in New Zealand, I think this is across probably most of the uh, most of the Gideons, is that um, all the senior, all, all, the, all the senior clubs um, have a team, and they play in a, um, they play the first half of the season out to decide who's in the top and the bottom half of the of the, of the log, um, and then they uh, have a round robin amongst those clubs in each half to decide who the uh, who the sort of the, the the champions in the top eight are. The top eight go away to could be getting themselves, and bottom eight do as well. And there are two reasons for this. One is that you do end up with some pretty big drubbings. Um, but it does give every club a chance to win it every single year. Uh, um, that's, um, uh, and uh, that's kind of, I guess, the, the, the main kind of reasons. In the smaller unions, like such as down in Taranaki, they don't do that. But up in Auckland, they do. In Waikato, um, I believe they do as well. Um, so in the bigger unions, they, have, um, they, they, they do this. But um, Subbies, um, that's, uh, that's your club, isn't it, Oswin? No. Uh, yeah, suburbs is um, where I coach and uh, my two kids play. Um, but uh, so my understanding is basically there's been um, a bit of confusion around the requirements around the reserve grade teams. Uh, and suburbs didn't meet the requirements of having one of those reserve grade teams. And therefore, although they'd qualified for the uh, Alan McAvoy, which is the top pool, um, plays for the Gallagher Shield. The fi- they find finalists to play for the Gallagher Shield. They were, they'd qualified for that, um, but the 
they got demoted to the bottom uh, tournament, which is the Portola um, trophy. Uh, so that, that's basically my understandings. The article, I don't want to say too much more than that, not because I belong to the club or because I might get roasted on it. I'm not worried about that. It's just the fact that it's a poorly written article. It doesn't really have any facts about what's going on to definitively to say what's going on. And then also within the same article, uh, do you want me to go on to the other thing in the article, Paul? Um, I forgot what was in there, to be honest. Okay. So the other the other um, item in the article is about um, um, sorry, I just, <clears throat> Dylan Holohola, uh, who actually played for the Stags down in uh, in Chicago. He actually, I believe, might have played for the Hurricanes as well. Um, but uh, he's had a few run-ins with the Lord in Southland and in Auckland. Um, and due to those incidents, um, you know, he's he's he, as I said, he, he did have court appearances, etc. Um, so he's playing for the club. Now, the article goes along the lines of that there's been a mass exodus of junior club members because of his inclusion at the club. Now, I, as I said, I belong to that club. Um, my children belong to that club. There has not been a mass exodus. There's been one family that I know that has left. And so I, I'm hesitant to sort of go and comment on an article in a reporter who's not doing his homework who's not going out and finding out what's going on and, you know, doing a bit of journalism, which they supposedly go to school for, um, and then just basically goes and sensationalises something that just didn't happen. Yeah, but we, 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 we see kind of this sort of stuff from the mainstream media here um, from time to time. I mean, the other, I mean, a famous one of it is that the uh, is at Eden Park, where they can only play, only do so many events and can't put on enough events to basically pay for the stadium. Um, and they get blocked from doing events by a residence association where there's something like six residents in the area, uh, one of whom happens to be Helen Clark, who's the ex-Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um, and those six residents effectively stop Eden Park from putting on extra events. The majority of residents around there would like, uh, are happy for there to be more events and they're starting to become more vocal. But again, you, you end up with this group that they call the Residents Association, which yeah. so you assume it represents the residents, but in reality, it re represents a couple of people um, and the the newspapers don't point this out that actually it's only a couple of people. It's not actually it's not all the residents. So it's um it, it's not unusual for for reporters just to take the easy route of hey I've been told this I'll just run with it. Yeah, um, very honest. frustrating. Yeah, I mean you're so right about that residents association. Six basically about six people on that. Comrade Helen being the biggest person on there. And, oh, um, oh, 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 slow down. Yeah. Well, the sad part is, though, Paul, no, no, hang on. We do have to bring it in because the problem is that she has too much influence as being the ex-prime minister of the country. Now, you had a fundraising event that was going to raise money to make baby incubators for third world countries, and she had that shut down. Now, and purely off the back of her profile. Now, as I said, let's leave politics out of it, but mm. you can't leave politics out of it when it's her profile that's basically lending itself to getting things shut down. Oh, yeah, and yeah, that's, no, you know, know. it was more the comrade comment, but yeah, no, she, yeah. you're right. She, she's, she, 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 it's undue influence by, because of who she is. A bit like whoever that, whoever, whoever that some person that got the, that article by that reporter is undue influence because it, 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 it's a story from a mate. Now, uh, probably. Um, yeah. Uh, so again, it's it's undue influence of a, of a, of a small number of people uh, in, in these articles. Sorry, Stephen. I, I wonder, guys. I wonder, guys. You know, when you get articles like that, 
you get six residents, it, it paints a real negative picture around Eden Park, if, if you know what I mean. People, you know, when you hear about, oh, a whole lot of residents um, are moaning and groaning, you know, people who want to go to the games think to themselves, oh, why bother if people are moaning about it? Oh, so, hey, you know, one of the biggest things about Eden Park is that, oh, it's in a residential area and it's, you know, and it's hard to get to and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like I was watching a bit of the World Cup cricket last night, that awesome game between Pakistan and England. And um, and, and it's, they had a, you know, because everything has a drone shot these days, right? And it's just like that ground surrounded by residential tenancies and blocks. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but they make it sound like Eden Park is the only ground in the world that's built in a residential area and it's just like ah, oh, just drives you would say look i'm not against just just to be clear i'm not against the waterfront <laughs> stadium but I, I just sort of think that the 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 rubbish that's put forward around eden park is means that the debate isn't genuine uh, yeah i mean and, and you've got your stadiums like i mean twickenham for example um known as hq amongst rugby, rugby fans in the uk is in a residential area um, doesn't have a nearby train station particularly, and you have to walk through the residential area to get to the train station. Whereas places like Wembley, for example, which again, um, there are houses not very far from Wembley, but there is also a train and tube stations right at the ground. So you can exit without having to walk through lots and lots of houses. At Eden Park, again, there's a train station right next to the ground. You can exit without really having to walk past many houses. Um, yeah. Again, so the... Yes, it's in a residential area, just like a lot of other stadiums are. But just like properly positioned stadiums, it has public transport right there, so you don't have to traipse through lots and lots of residential areas. I mean, there's very few grounds nowadays that aren't in a residential area, to be honest, because yeah. uh, all the old grounds, at least modern ones, can be out in industrial complexes in the middle of nowhere. But that's not fun either, to be honest. Look, okay, and to, just to bring it. Just to sort of like, you know, and that's the issue. So when we talk about this issue around Auckland Club Rugby, it's just the facts aren't there and the facts that are there are incorrect. Um, and, and that's the problem that, as you said, going along, everybody's just looking for clickbait in terms of actually providing actual correct information. Steve, and that's why shows like ours are good. final thing? Oh, listen, don't disagree with what uh, Ash, Ash would have said. It's, uh, a lot being put out there, whether it's accurate, accurate, I don't really know. I was going to mention before, just on, on stadium, Suncorp in uh, Brisbane, also in a residential area as, as well. Yep. Um, I guess the, the only sort of downside of this is that clearly Auckland, Un- uh, Auckland Union or, or somebody has felt the need to say, you've got to have three teams. Um, and you'd hope that, all, that, that some clubs in Auckland would all have three or four teams anyway. Uh, and have all these teams filled, but the number of people so, at clubs is is, is lower, uh, and and some teams are and some clubs are struggling to to, to put teams out. Yeah, numbers. To get numbers, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, look, I mean, um, what, my understanding was there was a bit of changes happened at early in the season, so the clubs had sorted out um, teams, and then they sort of decided to make a few changes, which meant affected some of the clubs who had to last minute try and reshuffle. Yep. That's my understanding. Again, I, I don't know the truth, and um, so I'm not going to hang my hat on that, whether that's the case or not. Yeah, I, I went to a club. I went, went to a club game out in uh, Taronga, not in Taronga, sorry, uh, in um, uh, Taronga. Waikato. Oh, Taronga. Um, they, they have 12 foreign players, and without those 12 foreign players, they couldn't. They couldn't. Um, they, they they couldn't field a side. They just don't have enough local players. 
So they got um, guys I, on on um, holiday visas, not holiday visas, and one year sort of um, work visas uh, come over to, to to play for them, which is um, yeah, uh, it's just that's the way club rugby is going. And Paul, and Paul, just just because you say this to us, because we have an international audience, you might want to tell people where Tyro is. <laughs> so Tyra is in the Thames Valley um, uh, Union, which is in which it doesn't play in the Meistersen Cup. It plays in the semi or well, the, or the amateur um, Meads Trophy, Meads Mead Trophy, no Heartland Championship. Sorry, for the Meads Trophy, yeah. um, uh, which is a level below, but it's an amateur one. Um, so yeah, so and uh, and Tyra happens to be in a kind of a touristy uh, fishing kind of place. It's it's not really a big, it's not a big town um, at all in the Coromandel. Um, <clears throat> Half-time break. So, um, and uh, your, your half-time message from the Driving Mall. Uh, just become a supporter of the Driving Mall. There's a link down below to patreon.com forward slash driving mall uh, where you can um, help support the Driving Mall for still a dollar a month and also gain exclusive access to opinion pieces that I put out every Wednesday uh, and also looks behind the scene articles where I talk to, talk to you about what uh, Driving Mall as a business, so what my, my social media strategies are, uh, how much money I make from YouTube, uh, and other things like that. So um, please do go and become a supporter of The Driving Mall. For I say, for a dollar a month, it's a bargain at twice the price. So pay $2. Um, <laughs> Mickey Mouse moments of the week, boys. Did you have yep, any? I've, 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 got, I've, got, I've got one. Um, it's, yeah, from the, it's from the Sharks-Hurricanes game. And um, I don't know if anybody saw the finish. Of that game, but it uh, turned into a little bit of a, uh, a handbags at handbags at ten paces, and hilariously, about a, about thirty seconds later, they were all shaking hands and hugging. So <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was very comical, guys. It was um, you could just you could just see in that game there was, there was every now and again it, it flared up and it, it it got it got niggly, and I, I think unfortunately for the for the sharks, I think they just frustration actually uh, actually set in near the end and um, not that you could you could arguably say um, probably a couple of the Hurricanes players are not short on giving out a bit of advice as well so it sort of exploded over the, over the top um, it, was, it was quite interesting I saw a couple of it's like even Dane Coles might have uh, came off the long run as well and, and ran in from nowhere and I, I don't know if there's been any repercussions uh, with regards to, with regards to that, but uh, yeah, it all it all ended semi friendly, shall I say? But I, I must admit, I found it very comical at the time, and that's my Mickey Mouse. I was I was looking at that, and I, I, I looked at the ref and going, ref, why are you ignoring everything that's happening? You can see players deliberately holding other players away from the rucks so they can't get back into defensive positions. <laughs> Just um, you said, like Wayne, Wayne Barnes sorted all that out and told players very early on, I can see you doing it, stop it now or else. Um, yeah. Whereas the ref here, he was like, okay, I've got 10 seconds left, I'll let them just do whatever the hell they feel like, leave them yeah. to it, and then, right, yep, full time, I'm off, I'm out of here. Thank you. Like, ref, yeah. just take, get, get, get hold, take, take the whole the scruff of the neck situation, blah, blah, blah. Look, I mean, it comes back to what I, you know, what I sort of starting to harp on about will sound like Justin Marshall and his knock, intentional knockdowns. But, you know, the referees need to get down and basically penalise every single thing. So, you know, one thing we saw this weekend in the Waratahs Rebels game, uh, Waratahs looking to do a quick throw in and the um, the hooker for the Rebels um, comes along and slaps the ball out of his hand. 
Referee penalised them. Should happen every single time, right? When the when they're trying to do a quick throw in and the players in the five meter area blocking it, that's a free kick. Don't sort of let that go. It's a free kick unless it's touched outside player hoardings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so it can't be thrown in quick. That's a free kick. Penalise these guys. Free kick these guys. Do it. It's, this has to be done. And as you said, I did see what um, the incident that Steve's talking about because I watched a hell of a lot of sport on Saturday night and uh, suffered for it the next day. But um, <clears throat> it, it, it was so obvious that that was, bob, you know, that last 10 minutes, as you say, Paul, bubbling away, boiling away. It's coming, it's coming and coming. It's just that it happened to come with the final whistle gone, which made it even more ridiculous. And as Steve said, and then they gave hugs and kisses afterwards after they stopped fighting. <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, that doesn't happen if the referee does his job and yep. uses the thing called the law book. Or, you know, I'm getting used to not saying the rule book. The law book and applies the thing. Anyway, so what's your Mickey Mouse moment then, apart from all the referees? So, actually, interesting enough, when um, um, Steve mentioned that one, one popped into my head. And it's, it's just like, so... All, you know, Blues are um, on the try line, um, five-meter scrum. Akira takes the ball off the back of the scrum, scores the try, and then basically does the, um, for those people listening to the, um, on, on podcast, doing the sort of bird thing with the hands, you know, sort of talking, puppet thing, talking back to the, back to the Bulls players. It's just like, yeah, well, the game wasn't over, was it? <laughs> no. no. So he no. might have, he might have been sending a message to those Bulls players. He really needed to just get back to halfway and play the game. And, Forgot uh, about doing that little thing, didn't he? He did. Um, so mine was the uh, actually we, we talk about the, the the Crusaders coaching staff uh, and what a great job they do, but on uh, but on, on Saturday they made some they made some real bad mistakes at half time um, because we saw the Crusaders come out in the second half and box kick the ball to death. Unfortunately for them, Sean Wainui was perfect under the high ball um, and totally negated all of what they were trying to do, whatever that might have been. Um, and yeah, guys, why did they suddenly start box kicking that second half and continue doing that? It, that, that was a, yeah, sorry, but yeah, the, the, the coaching staff had a, had a poor half time from the, from the Sailors. That's a very good example, you know, Paul, because like, you know, it, it's the number of times teams come against the Waratahs and before his um, unfortunate demise in rugby circles, um, you know, against the Waratahs, they do box kicks against the Waratahs. You're box kicking to Israel Folau. Where is your planning during the week? So what you're saying with the Crusaders is like Alamalu, um, Sean Stevenston, Wainui, three guys at the back that did not look like they were going to drop the ball. And when they did, they're doing correct technique. So when they do drop the ball, it's going backwards. They've got the support behind them to mop it up. Where is the, the thought pattern and um, you know, box kicking or bombing to those guys is dumb rugby. Paul, it's probably a good segue in, into that particular game because it, it was a heck of a was a heck of a game. But I think, like most people viewing it after what 20, 20 25 minutes, you thought, "Yep, here we go. This is going to uh, this is going to be." Uh, I know the uh, World Cup, Cup cricket had started the previous previous night, but there was a, a bit of a feel about that that they were batting on a a very flat batting track there in, in, in Suva. They were looking, they were looking very, very good. But there were a couple of couple of little chains, and you mentioned the obvious one, where they'd been just holding on to the ball, and that's where they were doing all the damage. I mean, so if you look at somebody like, like Anton Leonard Brown, his first 20, 25 minutes probably mirrored the Chiefs' 
performance. I'd never seen him make that, that many mistakes. So they were missing tackles all over the shop. They were, you know, it was almost like the back line when they were trying something. They were trying to move the ball wide. It was almost like they were they actually met in the car park before the game. And that's how bad they looked in that first 20, 25 minutes. But the two little subtle changes were the Crusaders all of a sudden, yeah, started kicking their ball away, which was a, a little bit weird. But the other little shift that the Chiefs made, they had been trying to go wide. All of a sudden, Jack Debrasini started using inside balls. And for the first time this season, we actually, you know, when you start doing things like that, you actually start taking that midfield out of the game a wee bit. You started taking Crotty and and also Goodhue out of the game. And all of a sudden you just started seeing breaks and before you knew it, the, the Chiefs they just they they laid on a couple of other magical tries. And uh, you know, even though the 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 Crusaders, you know, got their mojo going again and scored just before half time, you, you actually felt that the Chiefs probably got more confidence out of that that first uh out of that last uh, 15 minutes or last quarter than what the Crusaders did. Interestingly enough, I always thought, even with 15 minutes to go, I actually thought the Crusaders would still finish over the over the top of the, the top of the Chiefs. But unfortunately for them, their, their line-out bolted. Well, not so much their line-out, but uh, once again, we used the cricket analogy before, but uh, Ben Fennell was uh, bowling oh, yeah, a little yeah, bit outswing, shall we say. Bolling Hamilton. But I mean, Debrasini, a, a player there that um, was considered not good enough for the Rebels last season, um, dropped for Reese Hodge to play at 10. Uh, Reese Hodge, obviously, is, is not a first choice 10 by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he's, a, he, he's, a, well, he's, very much, he's a utility player that's finding that actually outside centre is probably his, his, his position by looks things now. Um, to have gone from that to now be to, to, to putting that break because I mean, he's also a thought of being kind of like a, a game manager rather than a running mm-hmm. rather than a running um, um, scrum, um, fly half. But hey, he, he had a, a wonderful break in the second half uh, against the against the Crusaders, uh, which was really was was really impressive. Yeah, he's um, he's also got a very big right boot as well, and, and you know you kind of wonder it's been. A little sad for him that he's, he's had the head injuries. I'm, I'm pretty sure if he'd been available earlier in the season, you, you, you probably would have seen a lot more of Jack Debrasini starting in the in the uh, number 10 jersey. So uh, I'm a little bit biased, though. He, is a, he does play for the, uh, the the Cambridge Blue Boys, but believe you me... The mighty Tanifa. He, he, was, he was great value for Northland in, in 2018. So, uh, you know, just, just really good to see. But, hey, guys, what a game. Is there much you can add to that? Oh, look, uh, you know, the thing is that um, you highlighted it, w- the, how you beat the Crusaders, um, is the fact is that too many teams just try to go wide. But if you notice what the Crusaders do, they, they actually, they're stretched out. They do a league defence, you know, and that's it, all they do is they're stretching out across the field. And for some reason, the, most of the teams get caught out against them. Is the fact is they keep trying to go wide. They keep going wide. And I think that's where the Hurricanes will struggle is because that's their game plan is going out wide and playing ball. Um, but the fact is that it's about turning it back inside and going up the channel uh, uh, um, and tight so that you can drag that defence in before you can go wide. I mean, it's the term, you know, from back in the day is that earning the right to go wide. So you you, you saw that with the Blues did it the week before. It's just the fact that the Blues, unfortunately, aren't clinical enough to take advantage of what they had with 
doing achieving um whereas the chiefs are and um you know so they they would take it up the guts and then you'd see gaps also happening out wide as well but i mean you know and then if you good example is that you go up the middle and then you end up with Artu Molly thinking that he's the center throwing that awesome pass. <laughs> what was it about thirty meter pass? That was like that was the highlight for the week weekend for me. Okay, and, that, that should and, be and, our Mickey Mouse moment for the week because yeah, props shan't props shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it was crazy. I, listen, I'm not I'm not going to sort of go down the track of Chris Ratui and um, who's our who's our mate from the lower lower North Island, uh, Mark Reason. They're all sort of questioning uh, that the All Blacks are uh, the Crusaders' performance on Saturday night mirrored, is mirroring the All Blacks. I wouldn't, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't go that far. But I think we all know if they'd grabbed those three lineouts. Listen, the tactics that the Crusaders started to use, they started to revert back to their lineout to draw the, the Crusaders in. But the problem is, whenever they won a penalty, they had to kick for touch, and. Uh, that was a, a bitter issue for them. I wouldn't exactly hit the panic button. The other little anomaly as well for anybody who's, who's been to Fiji as well, um, it's t- in the evening it can reach up to 24, 25 degrees over there. So it would have been hot for both sides. Oh, sounds but, lovely. You know, but <laughs> way, be- way better than it is here at the minute. So, you know, it's, it's not my new thing, but, but probably nah. more of an excuse. Look, it's not a panic, push the panic button for the All Blacks at all. But um, one thing it does highlight with the Crusaders is that the, the, the depth that they've had in years gone by isn't isn't as strong as it used to be. And saying that they're suffering like quite a few teams with a few yeah. injuries, etc. But, yeah. you know, I mean, when you've got no, when you haven't got um, Moody and Franks, then that the front row isn't as strong. Obviously, Fanel coming on and um, basically doing impressions of Harmison on the first day of an Ashes and throwing it um, to first slip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I also wonder, guys, when you're sitting at the top of the log, you got a nine, you got a nine-point buffer, you know, you're, you're in Fiji, all the above. And I, and I reckon after that first 25 minutes, it, it was probably all too easy for them. You know, they thought, oh, well, here we, here we go again. The pro- problem is I, I think a lot of their players – did switch off, and I tell you what, that can be clearly seen with a couple of those breakout tries. You know, you always expect. Well, where's the where's the cover defence? Even when Jesse Pariti scored scored his try, there were only really two guys coming across. And of course, when Ale Malo scored his try, really he was in the open space. And once he had he had actually beaten Havili, he was pretty much gone. And I, I looked around for the cover defence, and it was almost like where were the chasers? They had just, but neither just, both, both both teams actually didn't have cover defence. That was the interesting thing. It wasn't just exclusive to the Crusaders, right? So when when um, the Crusaders were making their breaks, this is like you're sort of thinking the same thing for the Chiefs. It's like, hey, where's where's the cover? Where's the guy coming across? Yeah, yeah. Given, the Chiefs have been missing that all season. That's all. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, we we must mention the ticker those guys play with. Man, they play with some ticker, don't they? Um, you know, when you when you consider the injuries, the injuries that they've had, you know, before that game, I, I wouldn't have given them tuppence to to win that game, but they they just stay in the fight. And if you think back a week ago against the Reds, where they, where they were a little bit lucky, but I'm saying that they just tackled like tackled like it tackled like you know it yep. was it was the last thing they did. And if we we kind of look at the table, well, 
there's all of a sudden a, a few results actually went went their way because there's a couple of teams that are probably going to cut each other's throat playing each other in these in these last two rounds. So really, all they've got to do is go out and pick up pick up another win. Now the Chiefs just got the one game left, Paul. Yeah, yep. waste Rebels. Away to the Rebels. Oh, yep. def- listen, definitely, definitely winnable. And that's and they'll that's in the very last round, isn't it? So that's they'll right, know yeah. exactly they'll know exactly what they they need to do. I dare I say, I thought I'd get away without mentioning the Blues <laughs> tonight, but they're, they're unbelievably they're still an outside chance as well. But I'm saying that there's a it's a huge task awaits them, and you'd, you'd probably have to say that's that's a no at this stage, but. You know what? If the Chiefs, if they can find somehow find their way into their top eight, man alive, they're, they're going to be awkward to play. And if they can get a couple of bodies back on the paddock as well, you know, just I just admire their ticker guys. I really do. Oh, so, I think you're not the only one. I think they're the they're, they're the team this year. I mean, like that. Um, a lot of people sort of, I suppose, with, with the way that they perform, you can't help but sort of like wave their flag with you. If they're not playing your team, you know, you, you sort of, you get behind them. So guys, mm. um, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, we've got some, just quick running through the games. Um, first up, uh, Highlanders versus the Bulls. Interesting one here. And the Highlanders have just traveled back from South Africa and the Bulls only have to travel down from Auckland. Um, so the, 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 the travel fatigue piece is actually on the Highlanders, not the Bulls for this game. Uh, no, I, I, I think I think the Highlanders uh, they'll they'd be a bit dirty on their um on on their last on their last performance or their performances in um in, in South Africa. I, I think they'll I think they'll want to they'll want to bounce back. The Highlanders didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. they have a didn't they they had a bye this week too, didn't they? No, no, they they lost in. Um, uh, they did, did they have a bye? Yep, I think they did. Oh, okay. So, sorry, no. my, my travel thing's a bunch of rubbish then. Ignore yeah, me. Yeah, um, try, try, yeah. Try that out the window. Throw now, look, window. I mean, that's an easy win for the Highlanders because, the, I mean, like, yeah, the, 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 um, the Blues should have won against the Bulls is just their um, lack of experience and just dumbass play that basically let them down. The Highlanders won't make those basic errors that the Blues did. And so I think that'll be easy. For the Bulls, ask right for the Highlanders. Have, um, battle of the Colours as the Reds take on the Blues. Oh, look, I mean, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> oh, it's, not, it's not a case of who cares. It's more a case of the fact is that the you know, I think Steve and I had this conversation you know offline, so to speak, and it's just, it's the frustrating thing with the Blues is the fact is that it, you know the Crusaders apart, they could beat every team in this competition. It's just the fact is that it's the top two inches that lets them down. Um, the Crusaders then against Rebels. There'll be no switching off this week, and I think the Rebels are in for a bit of a hiding there. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to this game because I'm, uh, we all we all know what the, that the Crusaders are going to bounce back here and help the Rebels seriously. But I'll, I'll be curious in the way that they, they bounce. They do bounce back, and um, it's close to the game I'm interested in. The other game I'm interested in is the Lions Hurricanes, but I, I definitely won't be watching it live, so Probably the one, the one that I know I will watch will be the Crusaders Rebels. Look, um, I, I I think this will be a bonus point win for the Crusaders. Don't get me wrong, but for me, it's actually a sign of have they actually got a couple of issues leading into playoffs time? They've gone basically the last four rounds, apart from the Bulls, they've had a draw with the Shark, they had a loss over in um, South Africa. They really didn't perform that well against the Blues, 
um, although they had most of the ball in the game. And then they've gone and lost to the Chiefs in Fiji, where they basically switched off after 20 minutes. So they do need to actually pull up their socks. So, again, I still think that they win with a bonus point try. It'll be how clinical a performance do they put out there. Is it, yeah, we've, they've pulled their socks up, or no, actually, they're lucky. They've got a bonus point try, but they're still not playing well. Um, yep, yeah, as you say, uh, Lions, Hurricanes, really big one. To me, actually, I'm looking forward to Sunday morning, um, 7.40 kickoff AM New Zealand time, Haguares versus the Sharks. Can Haguares seal the, uh, the, the African Conference um, and get themselves a home quarterfinal? That would be something impressive. That would that be his, making history. Um, so I'm looking forward to that game on, um, on Sunday morning. And that'll, that'll, that'll be a great result for uh, the Sharks getting beaten and picking up no points would be a great result for, for the Chiefs, the Waratahs and the Stormers. And the Blues. And the Highlanders. So that'll keep them, <laughs> them anchored on, uh, that'll keep them anchored on uh, 32 points. Yeah, look, I mean, with the Hagiwaris, it's just like, you know, the, the, the momentum that they're building at the moment because they're an international side is just, um, you know, exciting to see. And, you know, you're, you're hoping that it continues. They're playing good rugby. You know, it's not just the fact that they're actually an exciting team to watch. With just with their, I think even their own sort of excitement that they get within the team when they're playing and the, the way that they react to things is, is actually, actually an enjoyable team to watch. Mm. Which, which might be a, and maybe I'll do this as a, uh, as, a, um, uh, as, as, a as a, as a special for my patrons. But um, the Hagiwaris kick the most ball, and they are the lowest offloaders in the competition, um, and yet they play exciting rugby. It shows that stats don't tell you oh. all the story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, thank you very much, Ashwin and Stephen, for joining me this evening. No um, worries. It's been a pleasure as always. And. Um, Everybody, uh, don't forget, there'll be a whole bunch of things around here which let you um, subscribe um, to the channel. Uh, there'll be a bunch of videos over there for you to watch the artificial intelligence here at YouTube, so you'll enjoy. And down there, there'll be a thing on how to support the channel um, by Patreon, which you'll have heard at the halftime um, show uh, as, to, as to what you get there. So thank you very much for joining us. I'll be back tomorrow night with the All Blacks edition over on the All Blacks edition channel. Um, and, um, and yeah, uh, enjoy your rugby, whatever it is you're watching. Awesome, let's.